8.50 a.m. I'm doing a reading. And I just pick some ones from the shelf. This book is called Perfume of the Desert. Inspirations from Sufi Wisdom. Andrew Harvey and Eric Hanut are popcorning it. You ready? Ordeal and Annihilation. The Sufis say that the quest is composed of two different but related journeys. The journey to God and journey in God. The journey to God is one that the soul makes as it leaves the world and all the gains of the false self behind in a progressive blaze of love and gnosis. This journey ends with the grace of God in union, in a permanent possession of conscious divine identity. The second journey begins with union and ends nowhere, for it is taken in love, as love, and love is infinite. For the journey to God to become the journey in God, and for the seeker to be permanently established in divine consciousness, a death has to happen. The death of the false self. Even the most impassioned mystic lover of the beloved is still conscious of the self that loves. In parentheses, and is loved. However, irradiated, irradiated by passion and the illuminations of direct gnosis, the seeker's self still remains intact. But the culmination of the work of love is that the seeker is at last given the strength to allow himself to be utterly destroyed by love, to have his being wiped out and annihilated in love, so it can be remade in it. This death is known in all serious mystical traditions. In the Christian tradition, it is called the dark night of the soul. The Sufis, like St. John of the Cross and Angela of Foligno, know that no one can live the resurrected life without having passed through the strippings, humiliations, and torments of the crucifixion. The test of the cross of annihilation is the supreme test of the seeker's sincerity, and only someone who has prepared himself for a long time and has been prepared by God can possibly go through it. In one sense, the whole of the quest up to this stage has been a preparation for this great death. The secret goal of all love's gifts, ecstasies, and visions is to give the seeker the strength and fathomness, tr- fathomless, 
trust necessary to accept the final death that is annihilation. Only a seeker who has opened his or her whole being to the glory of love will find themselves the mad abandon necessary to die into love and be reborn as one with it. appointed moment, the trial of the cross arrives, tailored to the personality of each seeker, precisely the right catastrophe or set of catastrophes are prepared by the grace of the beloved to help the seeker abandon even the most vestigial trust in his own powers and give himself wholly over to the darkness of God. The darkness! What? Oh good, I just happened to have in my stack Return from Death. <laughs> That's so funny. Wanna hear the books I picked from the shelf? So have Perfume of the Desert, Return from Death by Margot Gray. An Exploration of the Near-Death Experience. Forward by Kenneth Ring. And the Book of Enoch. Alright, I'm going to popcorn it now from Return from Death. Ready? Okay, page 53. Patterns of the NDE. Also numerous Christian people I have known in life. I especially recognized the Sunday school teacher called Frank, who influenced me a great deal and who lost his life in the Second World War. I think it was I was surrounded by what I can only describe as a reception committee. Frank was one of these. Another was my saintly Roman Catholic doctor who had just previously died. These are the people who enjoyed my joke. They did have a physical shape. It's hard to describe, but it somehow combined the youth and vigor of 21-year-olds with a sense of perfect maturity. As for Jesus, in that place of light, Jesus was the light itself. Oh, thank goodness! Thanks, Jesus! You're the best! This does not mean he was an abstraction. He was as much a person as all the others. He was a prophet, priest, and king. I knew him by the nail holes in his hands and feet, by the way he looked and by the way he looked at me. I shall never forget the look of Jesus. It was a searching look, which saw every part of me, but I realized that he could not take his eyes off me because he loved me so much. Love is the major impression I still retain. In heaven, there is light, peace, 
beauty, or excuse me, music, beauty, and joyful activity. But above all, there is love. And within love, I felt more truly alive than I have ever done before. That was awesome. That was such a good follow-up. What a great popcorn series, am I right? All right, here comes Enoch. Are you ready? Page 43, chapter 62. And thus the Lord commanded the kings and the mighty and the exalted and those who dwell on the earth and said, open your eyes and lift up your horns if ye are able to recognize the elect one. And the Lord of spirits seated him on the throne of his glory and the spirit of righteousness was poured out upon him, and the word of his mouth slays all the sinners, and all the unrighteous are destroyed from before his face, and there shall stand up in that day all the kings and the mighty, and the exalted, and those who hold the earth, and they shall see and recognize how he sits on the throne of his glory, and righteousness is judged before him and no lying word is spoken before him then shall pain come upon them as a woman as on a woman in travail and she has pain in bringing forth when her child enters the mouth of the womb and she has pain in bringing forth and one portion of them shall look on the other and they shall be terrified, and they shall be downcast of countenance, and pain shall seize them. When they see that Son of Man sitting on the throne of his glory, and the kings and the mighty, and all those who possess the earth shall bless and glorify and extol him who rules over all, who was hidden. For from the beginning, the Son of Man was hidden, and the Most High preserved him in the presence of his might, and revealed him to the elect, and the congregation of the elect, and holy shall be sown, and the elect shall stand before him on that day, and all the kings and the mighty, and the exalted, and those who rule the earth shall fall down before him on their faces, and worship and set their hope upon that Son of Man, and petition him and supplicate for mercy at his hands. Nevertheless, that Lord of Spirits will so press them Oh, I must have read this before. Part of it is I'm highlighting. And they shall hastily go forth from his presence, and their faces shall be filled with shame, and the darkness grow deeper on their faces. He and it says this in oh, this is eleven, and this is in bold. He will deliver 
Then he goes back to regular. Them. To the angels for punishment. To execute vengeance on them because he have oppressed his children and his elect. And they shall be a spectacle for the righteous and for his elect. They shall rejoice over them because the wrath of the Lord of the spirits resteth upon them and his sword is drunk with their blood and the righteous and elect shall be saved on that day and they shall never thenceforth see the face of the sinners and unrighteous and the Lord of spirits will abide over them and with that the son of man shall they eat and lie down and rise up forever and ever. This part's had it. In the righteous and elect shall have risen from the earth and the ceased to be of downcast countenance and they shall be clothed with garments of glory and these shall be the garments of life from the Lord of spirits and your garments shall not grow old then it stops being highlighted nor your glory pass away before the Lord of spirits it says on the back the Bible as we hold it today is esteemed in many religious institutions and especially conservative Christians to be the inspired inerrant word of God this doctrinal position affirms that the Bible is unlike all other books or collections of works in that it is free of error due to having been given by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God be perfect through furnished, oh, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 2 Timothy 316.17 While no other text can claim this same unique authority, the Book of Enoch is an ancient Jewish religious work ascribed by tradition to Enoch, the great-grandfather of Noah, that played a crucial role in forming the worldview of the authors of the New Testament, who are not only familiar with it, but quoted it in the New Testament in the epistle of Jude, Jude 1, 14-15.
and is attributed it there to Enoch, Enoch the seventh from Adam. One Enoch sixty-eight. The text was also utilized by the community that originally collected and studied the Dead Sea Scrolls. While some churches today include Enoch as a part of the biblical canon, for example, the Ethiopian Orthodox II Ahedo Church and Eritrean Orthodox II Ahedo Church, other Christian denominations and scholars accept it as only having historical or theological non-canonical interest and frequently used or signed it as supplemental materials within academic settings to help students and scholars discover or better understand the cultural and historical context of the early Christian church. The book of Enoch is therefore intended to be an important supplemental resource for assisting serious researchers and students in the pop in the study of the Bible in the early church age. Defender 1995 Nonfiction Defender Publishing Crane, Missouri www.skywatchtv.com Interesting. Should we do a, we do a, a Bible just for fun? Because we got direction from Enoch. popcorn it. when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. From Philippians 4, M66. Thank you! High privilege 
of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ. God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Focused on the goal. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye in the goal, wherever God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course. Keep, oh sorry, headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you against them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. But easy street is a dead end street. Those who live there make their bellies on their gods. Belches are their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. But there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're awaiting the arrival of the savior, the master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. Four, my dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. Pray about everything. I urge, I urge you, Odia and Sintike, Sintiki. I don't know how you say it. S I N T Y C H E to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. And oh, yes, Sisgus, once you're right there to help them 
work things out. Do your best with them. These women work for the message hand in hand with Clement and me and with the other veterans. Oh, there's veterans again. Worked as hard as any of us. Remember their names are also in the book of life. Celebrate God all day. Every day, I mean. Revel in Him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the Master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, oh, that's my favorite, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Content in whatever the circumstances. I'm glad in God, far happier than you would guess or ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy. Whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. You Philippians well know, and you can be sure I'll never forget it, that when I first left Macedonia province, venturing out with a message, not one church helped out in the give and take of this work except you. You were the only one. While I was in Thessalonica, you helped out, and not only once, but twice. 
Not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. And now I have it all, and keep getting more. The gifts you sent with Epaphroditus were more than enough, like a sweet-smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing God to no end. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Our Father, oh, our God and Father abounds in glory to every follower of Jesus you meet. Our friends here say hello. All of the Christians here, especially the believers who work in the palace of Caesar, want to be remembered to you. Caesar again? Receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ deep, deep within yourself. Wow, another one. It, it is familiar to me. Did I read it recently? I'm putting it on. Have a great day! I hope you had fun with the oracling. I did.